All right. Well, good morning, everybody. And welcome to 2024. This is the first time we've seen each other this year. And I uh, hope you're ready for uh, a fantastic year ahead. And um, January can be a little bit frosty. And, um, but there's, um, there's fresh opportunities in front of all of us um, as it relates to a new calendar year. And, um, yeah, take good care of yourselves over the next six or eight weeks because it is that sort of dog days of winter, if we could call it that. And it gets cold and it's still dark and all that kind of stuff. So just uh, take good care of yourself, take good care of each other, and it, it does go a long way, right? So, um, yeah, on Friday this past week, which was January 5th, my mom celebrated her 80th birthday. So she's, uh, yeah. She's here. She, she does pray sometimes during the gathering, so I think she's in the room, but uh, happy birthday to my mom. She doesn't look a day older than 79, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, no, she's looking pretty good for 80, isn't she? Yeah. I, and my dad, too. Yeah. Spry young people, we call them. Um, yeah, so happy birthday to my mother. Uh, this is a huge privilege of being a pastor. I get the microphone to say that, like a big shout out to my mom. Like that's that's kind of cool. So, um, Also, prayer with fasting. We've already mentioned it. We, uh, Pastor Al mentioned it, that this um, Monday, actually, so tomorrow, we're starting three days, and um, it's 7 p.m. each night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, online over our Zoom platform. Um, you're invited to join us. You can head over to our website, kingstreet.org, to find the link to the Zoom platform. And uh, we would love to have you come. If you can stay for the whole time, it's just one hour, seven to eight. And if you can only stay for part of that time, uh, we'd still love to have you to come. And you can just kind of disappear. Your square will go away on the screen. If you have to exit a bit early, it's all okay. And um, again, that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on our Zoom platform, as well as Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. We do that every week. And you're invited to join us at that same Zoom platform. And then Wednesday night, we're going to be in person as well in our chapel at 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. in person and 7 p.m. online on Wednesday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 7 on Zoom. And fasting, if you're new to that idea, um, we don't give up things in order to gain approval from God. We actually practice this discipline of abstinence in some way. Uh, so that we can gain greater control over our appetites and drives and desires, and we set up, we set things aside that we have sort of leaned on in life. Um, and sometimes it's food, and sometimes it's an activity or a practice. Um, sometimes it's access to technology, maybe social media platforms. You just decide for three days you're going to surrender that because that's a big deal to you. Uh, or it might be uh, something else in your life where you just say, and it doesn't have to be bad or wrong. It's just something where you say, I'm going to call this a secondary thing so I can pursue the most important thing, which is time with God. So uh, we'd love to have you step into that beautiful and powerful practice of prayer with fasting. Um, there was a situation in the gospel account where um, Jesus taught his disciple friends. This microphone's giving me a little bit of grief. I'm going to try and stay with it, but just pulled it away from my mouth a bit there. Um, where Jesus taught his disciple friends that there was certain spiritual power that was accessed through both prayer and fasting. And so I don't understand it entirely, but there's something there for us when it comes to always prayer, a great mystery, but prayer with fasting even more so. So consider yourself invited. And again, that's starting tomorrow. 
Um, so we're starting a new series. If you happen to be with us for the first time, uh, you know, at King Street in 2024, we're starting a new series called Pain and Pretending. And, um, you know, Christian people, those who follow Jesus, are um, incredibly imperfect, flawed. We're the ones who actually have acknowledged that we could use some help. We need saving. And so just because you become a Jesus follower doesn't mean that all of a sudden you are without flaws or that you've become perfected in some way. Uh, That's not the case at all. Pain and Pretending, this series, is about us acknowledging as people of faith that pain is real even for people who follow Jesus. Um, If for some reason you've been told along the way that once you start following Jesus, you won't experience as much pain, I would want to just challenge that idea today to say pain is for humans. Uh, And people who are people of faith are humans. And we all struggle and experience pain. But we should not be the kinds of people who pretend that we don't feel the sting of hurt or wound or the pain that comes with life. There are times in certain circles, uh, Christian communities have tended to, um, I would almost consider it spiritual self-denial. Um, where they're actually living in this realm of denying the hurt, the wound, the pain, the sickness, whatever it might be. Now, I'm not advocating for us to have tunnel vision and focus on it because what we look at and focus on gets bigger. I'm not suggesting that we become preoccupied with the pain in our lives. But I'm also wanting us to challenge this idea that um, if we live in some sort of false reality where we don't acknowledge Uh, the fact that there are parts of our life that are still giving us grief or there is pain that's real for us, then I think we live in some altered state of reality and it's not in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us into what's real and beautiful and good and God himself is ultimate reality. And so uh, pain and pretending. If we pretend there's no pain, it doesn't do us any good. And so we're going to be honest about some of the things in our lives. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, it's like, welcome to 2024. We're talking about choosing life before we die. Like, wow. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Death is on the radar for all of us. We don't do well, by the way. This is true. This is 100% true. You can take this to the bank. We do not thrive. We do not flourish. We do not live well if we just set that mortality issue off to the side and just sort of somewhat deny that it's on the radar for us. We don't know when that moment will come. Uh, But all of us in this room today are going to exit this world at some point unless Jesus comes for us first. This is the way of the human family. When you're younger, you think you're going to live forever. When you get older, you sort of say, ah, I see the little signposts along the way, right? You lose your hair, right? There's, there's a different shade of silver or gray that emerges, which reminds us that there's wisdom, hopefully, that's uh, taking place because we've had a few miles under our feet. Um, the knees creak a little bit. The back's a little less, you know, resilient, whatever it might be. But these are little reminders when we look into the mirror to say, I'm not getting any younger. Time moves in one direction, and it moves forward. And we get older with each passing day. And as Jesus following people, we acknowledge it. And we say, um, you know, and, and for some of us in this room, and I get it, we, we don't want to announce our age because it's a, it's a, a personal thing. But I, I'm of the persuasion that every year that I get to live, I say, thanks be to God. And if one day I'm 99 years old and about to celebrate my 100th birthday, 
I want people to throw a party and say, this guy's 100 years old. And like, that's awesome. And so here I am announcing my mother's 80 years old, and uh, I think she's okay with that. Um, but it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. I'll see if I got a text message from her or not yet. <laughs> right? But every day, every year we get to live, it's like, thanks be to God. We're alive. And, and isn't it one of those things where we can say, whatever birthday it is that you celebrate, it's like, thank you, God, that you gave me another year to live in this world. And we're not here by random chance or accident. We are here on purpose, made on purpose for a purpose. And when our purpose is over, we will head toward the exit door of life and we will step over the threshold into the world to come. Uh, This is what the Bible teaches. And so while we're here, we are to be fruitful. We are to add value. We are to make our little corner of the world a bit of a better place. And uh, so in in 2024, may it be said of the people in our circle that we made their lives a little little bit better. And uh, we're not just here taking up space. We're not just here accumulating wealth. We're we're not just trying to have a good time. Um, What what do people say? I'm not here for a long time, just a good time. I'm not sure that's really a biblical idea. Um, And I'm not even sure, by the way, if when we consider cultural retirement, if that's a biblical idea. We may stop working for a paycheck, but I hope there's still a contribution that you feel you're supposed to make in the world. Um, I I really believe that, whether it be in the church or with your family or your neighborhood or whatever that might look like. So we're all here for a reason. And uh, I should probably get to my notes and get started here. Um, All right, so if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to take a look at a passage that we'll take with us over the next four or five weeks together. And it's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, if you're comfortable, would you join me by reciting this so that your neighbor can hear your beautiful voice? Here we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. I love this passage for so many reasons, and we're not going to unpack it uh, in its entirety today, but just a real surface look at it is Paul's writing and saying, by the way, we're going to be honest about life. It can be hard. There can be trouble. There can be challenges. We can feel squeezed. Uh, But there is this sort of like contradiction. There's a sense in which outwardly I seem to be wasting away and experiencing the squeeze of life in this world and in this body, but inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. Uh, This invitation for us to focus on things that are greater than just the material world, right? Matter matters, but there are some things that matter even more in the sense that, yes, the temporary things that are passing away, they're real, they're important. We don't want to have this false dualism. Our life is about the unseen and the seen, but we hear the invitation from the Spirit through Paul's letter And he says, make sure you keep your eye 
on what's coming next. Make sure you don't lose the grand vision or allow the plot to somehow get distorted. So in 2024, hold tightly to that grand narrative. Our life is going somewhere. We're not drifting aimlessly in space. Uh, There is purpose to our days under the sun. And so um, one of the most painful things you and I will ever do is, uh, and if we become aware of it, is to see the exit door in front of us. Um, We will be conflicted. Um, I don't know what your story's going to look like. I don't know what my story's going to look like as we head towards the last number of days that we live under the sun. Uh, We're not given that vantage point. God knows we do not. And I think it's better that way, don't you? We don't know what it's going to be like. But when we do finally begin to make friends with this idea that uh, it looks like my, my days are coming to an end, we will be conflicted internally because we'll be leaning in, those of us of saving faith in Jesus, we will be leaning into what's coming next because as we say around King Street, King Street, heaven is an upgrade, right? It's an upgrade. It's 2.0 life, not 1.0. But we'll be conflicted because we'll be saying goodbye to all we've ever known. This is all we've ever known. Our heart has longed for something else. We know that with great affection, there is someone waiting for us that we have not seen yet. Right? The unseen one, so to speak, who will be strong enough and who loves us enough to care for us on the other side. Uh, But we'll say goodbye to friends and family, and we'll know that this chapter is closing, and a new one that we have yet to really fully grasp is opening up for us. It will be an interesting experience. And uh, thanks be to God for our faith that provides comfort uh, in this life and gives us the wisdom so that we can live well. So today, Um, I'm advocating and arguing that we will live well um, if we understand the context of our lives, that we're here for a little while, right? What does the text say? We are a mist that appears for a moment and then vanishes. It's like the morning dew on the grass. You go out in the morning, you take your dog in the backyard, you see how wet it is at whatever, 7.15 in the morning, and then by 9 o'clock, it's dried up. That's what the biblical writer is saying about our lives. We're here for now. And then we're gone. And uh, this isn't intended to be a downer the first Sunday of 2024. I'm intending to give you a wonderful gift today. Because a life well lived is lived in the context of knowing that our days in many ways are numbered. And every day that goes by is one less day we get under the sun so that we will make the most of every opportunity. We'll look at that passage in just a few moments. Um, But this is what I'm inviting you into today, to choose to live well prior to us um, leaving this world before we experience our our own death. Okay, so three thoughts for you this morning. The first one is this. We've all been granted the gift of something called time. It is the most valuable commodity that we have been entrusted with. Thanks be to God for the measure of financial resources we have or the homes or the properties or whatever toys we get to play with in this world. But at the end of the day, what's of chief importance to all of us is time because you can't make any more of it. You've been granted a certain amount of it and to make the most of it. Now, in the Bible, there are two words in Greek that help us understand this idea around time. And it's worth unpacking this morning. The first Greek word is called chronos. 
And we can understand it because it's the word chronology, right? We understand that um, a time or a story moves forward. Our time in this world is moving in one direction. And we have less of it as we go along the way. Uh, it's used 54 times in the Bible. This idea of seconds and minutes and hours, that kind of time. We're only granted 365 days in a year. And we're already down, what, six and a half of them already, because today is January the 7th. Isn't it amazing that as we get older, the days go by more quickly, the weeks and the months and the seasons, and you turn around and the calendar just seems to go? You know, when we're younger, the summer seems to last forever because we've only lived seven years, eight years, ten years, and if we're living, you know, one summer, we've only had eight or nine of them. We probably only remember three or four of them. But once you've lived 50, 60, 70, or 80 years perhaps, right, all of a sudden they just go. And there is something about it when it comes to the psychological domain. Uh, time just seems to move more quickly. It doesn't move more quickly, but it seems to move more quickly. Um, I love this quote. Joseph Maria says, don't waste time. This is the way we talk about time in the world. Don't waste time. Time waits for no one. Time is of the essence. Time is money. We're afraid of losing it, running out of it, or being consumed and ravaged by it. Time becomes very much restrictive for us, demanding and consuming. And there are a lot of competing factors for our time, whether it be vocational, whether it be domestic. Um, there are all sorts of obligations, responsibilities, uh, things that compete for our attention and for our time. Every person in this room today, I'm going to make an assumption that you want to lead a productive life. You want to do something meaningful with your life. You want to leave something behind of value in the world. And uh, so all of us want to be productive with our time. And we also want to lead a sustainable life. And sometimes when we get this thing called time and we're tilting it in the wrong direction because we've emphasized production over sustainability, we end up hurting ourselves, we hurt our relationships, we may even actually shorten our life. And so God puts this beautiful work-rest rhythm in play by offering us a Sabbath principle. It's a beautiful day by which we say, I am going to be, choose to be less productive by doing life God's way, only to discover that when we do life his way, our influence and our productivity goes way up. The ways of God always work. It seems counterintuitive to take one day a week and say, I'm going to rest and I'm going to honor God. I'm going to make space for him. He can still run the universe while we're taking our time and putting up our feet and having a lemonade and doing what else we want to do that isn't in the realm of productivity. Um, this is a good use of time. And we live in this ebb and flow. We live in the tension of what it means to be wise people. Because if we only lean towards productivity, we'll hurt ourselves, as we've mentioned. And if we only lean in the realm of rest, we won't be productive. And so we just try to live in the tension. And that's where the wisdom is for us. It's not either or, it's both and. And so I want to take you to a passage of scripture in Luke's gospel, chapter 12, where a man had kind of lost sight of the fact that the time on his life was ticking. And uh, if you're new to the Bible, it's a really powerful story, but I'll just give you a bit of a precursor to it. This passage can be easily misunderstood. Sometimes people have well-intentioned, twisted this passage a little bit to imply that acquiring things or wealth is something God's not approving of, um, or that 
planning is a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. We read the whole parable in its context, and the very last phrase is the most important part of the story. So here it goes. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If he could choose an abundant harvest or a harvest of scarcity, what would you choose? Abundance. So the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That's a good thing. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He wants to be a good steward. So he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. It's not a bad idea, is it? If you've got a big crop, you want to build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, now he starts having an inner conversation. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Kind of sounds like Freedom 55 a little bit, doesn't it? All those retirement colorful brochures, if you invest with this company, this is what you could do. You could sit on the beach. and I'm not sure if sitting on the beach 52 weeks of the year for 30 years inspires me. I think one or two weeks a year, I could handle that. But taking what he's saying here, taking life easy, eating, drinking, and being merry, I don't know. Seems like it's off purpose in some way. So maybe he is off the route a little bit. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You presumed upon the future, and tonight's your last night on the planet. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It comes down to like, wow, that's, that's like a bad investment. You spent all your life toiling for this, and you thought you had all this open future. The runway was so long in your life. And tonight, it will be demanded or required of you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. And here is the point of the parable. But is not rich toward God. Can you be materially wealthy, rich, and remain rich toward God? I believe you can. In fact, if you think about what true wealth is or physical wealth in this world, because we live on this part of the planet and have been given this kind of privilege in North America, including Canada, we are numbered among the wealthy. Would you agree with that? You look around the world and you see how other people experience um, access health care or education or just the material things of life, what they live on per day, and then we look at our situation we're, we're all doing pretty good just because we get a chance to live in Canada. I know there are some stories where there is some extreme poverty even here in this part of the world, which is the only world largely we know. Um, but we are all in the realm of, generally speaking, the wealthy in the world. And um, that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. That's the blessing of God. So if you have been blessed in some severe ways, we give thanks to God for that. And that's not something that we should reject or look down on the wealthy. We should just give praise. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. Um, there are Joseph of Arimathea who buried Jesus in his tomb was wealthy. Um, these, are, these are people who are not under the judgment of God. They were blessed by God. And scripture is very clear that God is the one who adds the blessing. But you can be wealthy and be impoverished before God. And that's a problem. That's what this story is teaching. You can't buy your soul with material wealth. And so we come to God and we offer him ourselves. 
And this is the essence of the story. Plan, be a good steward, invest. I think it's wise to do that. Grow whatever it is God's entrusted to you. But remember, hold loosely to these things because they can be taken. What does the proverb say? Wealth can grow wings and fly away. Stock market can crash. Real estate market can kind of crater a little bit. Get caught in a high rising interest rate environment, which we're kind of seeing now in our world. Wealth is in many ways somewhat fleeting, but our future is secure with God. So this is what Jesus is teaching here. So Kronos time, this man didn't realize that the exit door was right in front of him. The expiry date in his life was pending, so to speak. So that's Kronos, chronological time. Um, the second word is Kairos, and this is sort of like Egypt, like Cairo, but it's Kairos. It's opportunity time, and that shows up even more often in the New Testament, 86 times. Uh, I thought this was interesting. The same writer, Joseph Maria, uh, he writes this. The concept, this concept of Kairos time, has its origins in the practice of Greek archery, representing the moment when the archer finds the perfect opening to shoot his arrow and hit his target. But Kairos, or Cyrus, uh, was also the Greek god of opportunity. Um, he had wings, feet, and darted quickly about. But if one were alert, one could catch him by the long lock of hair that hung over his otherwise bald head. Yeah, he had one serious comb over, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you're going to understand Cairo's time, it's this moment in time, and if you don't act to grab a hold of it, it's gone. It comes and it goes. This is what it means for us to understand time. It's chronological. And then as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, right, there's a time for everything, a time to be born and a time to die. There are seasons, moments in time, and we do well to pay attention to the season we're in. If we pay attention to the season we're in, we'll more likely make the most of the opportunities that are in front of us. But if we misread the season, we may be out of step with the rhythm and the assignment that God has given to us. When you are a young parent with young children, the season you're in is going to require different practices from you than if you're an empty nester. And so we read the season. We pay attention to where we're at. And the opportunities come, and they don't stay around forever. We make the most of them. And that's what it looks like for us to live well before we leave this world. In Ephesians chapter 5, again, we read this earlier today. Be very careful, the writer says, then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In some versions, when it says make the most of every opportunity, it says redeem the time. That's the word in Greek, is time and opportunity. They go together. And so we want to be the kinds of people. What opportunities will be presented to you in 2024? Make the most of them. Make the most of them. And don't be afraid of a good risk. I sat with a consultant in our office, in my office, a couple of years ago, when we were talking about what it looks like for King Street to move in the next, for the next chapter. And he asked me a question. He said to me, when was the last time you took a big risk? And he caught me off guard because the last time we took a big risk was when we had built this space. 
And we got into here, we got into this space in 2015. That's a long time ago now, right? We're 2024. We're working on like this April, like nine years we've been in this space. Does it feel like nine years we've been in here, those of you who've been around a while? Time goes quickly. And I am so glad we as a church community took this risk to build this space. It's a beautiful space, and it serves a lot of different people, including, most importantly, the church as a place of worship. But do you remember, if you were around back then, we talked about making room for others. How many of you are new to King Street since we built this space? This is the only auditorium you've sat in at King Street. How many of you? Awesome. Awesome. I I would say a third or maybe 40% raised their hand. I don't know if we would have been able to make room for you over there or whether you would have found us in some way. I don't know. In God's good providence, we'll just say, not sure. But for future generations, and I said this to my daughters, or no, one of my daughters said this to me the other day. Whenever my time comes to not serve as pastor here anymore, I will always drive by this space and go, thanks be to God that we, I was a part of this community of people that took a risk and stepped out and built something. And I will, I will forever, as long as I'm on the planet, driving by this street, I'm going to always be very, very curious about what's going on here. And I will always have um, a sense of, I think, healthy pride to say that I was a part of something that left its mark, not just a building, but the people and what happened here. It's been a really, really cool opportunity for me. I'm not planning on going anywhere, by the way. Um, but I just wanted to say that, that I don't know, because I could go somewhere tonight. Jesus could say, David, I'm done with you. I want to bring you home. And so who knows, right? We don't know. Um, I had a a buddy, 49 years old. He was a pastor, went to sleep one night, didn't wake up. And he graduated to go to be with his Lord on the other side. But he didn't have a warning. Uh, Maybe we will. Maybe we'll we'll have an extended battle with a health condition, and we'll know that it's coming. Others of us will just be taken from this world just like that. So we really don't know. But there was an opportunity presented, and this church went for it. What are the future opportunities? What else is Jesus perhaps inviting us? I say to people so often, and uh, I, I do, I always say the best, because when you factor God in, the best is always yet to come. Right? There's no way we can look back over our shoulders and say, no, no, the best is behind me. If we have a creative, generative, good God who is full of benevolence towards his people, We cannot say that the best is behind us. The best is always yet to come because we know that one day when we do leave the body and we go to be with God, we will be in his uninterrupted presence for all of eternity and it will be off the charts awesome and that is far better than here, right? Isn't that what Paul said? He was conflicted. He wanted to stay in the body because he wanted to add value in the world, but he knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? So in 2024, I guess I'm trying to lay out an environment for us to consider. Let's live well in this world. And I do believe that we will live better if we know that we have a limited shelf life in this world. We all know it, but sometimes we need a reminder. And when that bald guy goes by and there's one strand of hair as a comb over, make sure you grab it. And that's not me, by the way, because I trim my hair. Don't, don't pull my hair. It's not me, Okay. <laughs> All right, I've got two more points, but they're brief, okay? So here they are. The purpose of life. So time is a gift, and the purpose of life, I think as we start a new year, it's important for us to understand this. Um, 
So according to King Solomon, this is what he says about the purpose of life. He says at the end of Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books, he says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of mankind. He's pretty much saying this after we've talked about all of what life looks like under the sun. Let me wrap up with this one big idea. Make sure you revere God and make sure you keep his commandments because that will cause life to go well for you and you will fulfill your purpose. According to King Solomon, fear God, keep his commandments. According to Jesus, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is why Jesus came to do the will of the father. And if we're like Jesus in the world, we will also want to do the will of the father. So the purpose of life, fear God, keep his commandments, pursue and do his will. And then finally, according to the apostle Paul, I want to know Christ. He says, that's what he's on the planet for. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, Philippians chapter three. And so if we're going to live on purpose in this world, we will be the kinds of people who fear God, not cowering in the corner, but lovingly revering him. And we will keep his commandments and we will pursue his will, not our own. And we will seek to know Christ. And that word know that is used in Greek, it is transliterated in a sense from the Hebrew. The Greek, uh, the, the, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, but there's a Septuagint, which is the Greek translation from the Hebrew. You don't need to know all that. But in the Septuagint there, the same word is used. When Adam knew his wife, Eve. What? What's going on here? The word that the biblical writer used was great intimacy between a husband and a wife. And then Paul uses that metaphor, right? That we are the bride of Christ. And Paul says, I want to know Christ like that. I want to have an intimate connection like a husband knows his wife. I want to know Jesus like that. That takes religion to a whole new level. It's a whole new conversation around keeping commandments. My wife doesn't give me commandments. Um, I don't give her commandments, but we have values and we've made promises and there's a covenant love we stepped into together that we plan on keeping until separated by death. And we do it because we love one another. There's a joyful giving and receiving of love. And, uh, so the commandment metaphor doesn't work necessarily, but this idea of being true and faithful to the one we pledge to be true and faithful to is very, very important. And this is part of what Paul is getting at. And so um, we, want to, um, we want to live on purpose in this world, the purpose of life. I love it from King Solomon, from the Lord Jesus, of course, and from the Apostle Paul. And then we'll wrap up with this at the very end. Wisdom comes when we begin with the end in mind. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Maybe some of you have read it. One of his seven habits was begin with the end in mind. So if you're going to do well in life, you need to know what the end looks like. This is what the theme of this teaching has been this morning, is about leaning in, recognizing that we have limited time. Um, I wonder sometimes if wisdom and pace go together. If we live a hurried life, I don't know how wise we'll be. 
Uh, some people have defined wisdom as applied knowledge. I think it's not bad, but I think we could do a little better. I think wisdom has a lot to do with pace. I think wisdom has a lot to do with perspective. And um, you've heard this before, maybe the wisdom of slow, just walking slowly in the world. When I am not at my best, you will see me and I will be hurried. And I've had some really good people in my life come alongside me. I'm, I'm a, a lot better, I think. But years ago, when I was young and I felt like too much was on my shoulders, I felt like Jesus was asking me to build his kingdom. It's like, you know what? Actually, Jesus is building his kingdom. He's just enlisted me to be his helper. And uh, I've learned a little bit more over the years that he does the heavy lifting. I just get a chance to do, carry out little assignments that he gives me. Um, but when you move more slowly, you are more grounded. You're more aware. Um, you are probably more present in the moment. And wisdom comes with being present in the moment. And uh, so the wisdom of slow, I think, is really, really true. And so maybe in 2024, what we all could do is just slow down a little bit more. Would that be a, a good thing to pursue? Maybe we will find Jesus if we slow down. It's hard to find Jesus on the fly, isn't it? If we have a drive-through approach to spiritual formation, I've got 10 minutes, Jesus. Can you download what I need? Right? And I don't want the dial-up kind of download. I want the high speed. I want five, right? Like just give me the high fiber. I need it now because I got to get on with my life. I feel the pressure like you do because we have limited time and I want to be productive with my life. But I also want to live a sustainable one. And I want to add value in my relationships. I'm at a place in my life again and I'm a part of a group of four that meets a handful of times throughout the year. And one thing I brought to them was this need for me to do less, not more. That's my, not a New Year's resolution. I'm not sure I'm a big proponent of those but it's something that I've rekindled in my own heart to say, less is more, David. And uh, I'm caught up in that right now, and it's not easy for me to untangle myself from some things that are in the more category. Anybody relate to less is more for you maybe in 2024? Maybe anybody relate to slow? The wisdom of slow might be in front of you too. Yeah. Well, you know what we'll do? We won't shame ourselves when we get it wrong. We'll just keep encouraging ourselves to keep making progress. And... Um, that's what the Lord wants us to do. So pace and perspective. So let me finish with this. We're, we're going to build differently um, if we begin with the end in mind. I have a feeling the bigger barns builder, um, he might have still built the bigger barns because that was probably good stewardship, especially when you're given such a big harvest. But he might have built just a little bit differently. Um, and even while he was building, he might have been singing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God while he was building, perhaps. Or maybe he would have given some more away. Maybe he didn't have to build such a big barn. Maybe he would have built a little bit smaller. And, um, and then we think of seeking God more urgently. Um, when we think of beginning with the end in mind, do you remember the story of Hezekiah, the king? Isaiah, the prophet, comes to him and says, I've got some bad news for you. You're going to die. That's not a great sermon, right? You're going to die. Sort of like I'm saying today to you. We're all going to die. He comes to Hezekiah and he says, you're going to die. Get your house in order. And Hezekiah is on his bed. He's not doing well. He leans towards the wall and he weeps and he's brokenhearted and he pleads with God. And Isaiah leaves the king's presence and God says, go back and tell him, I'm going to extend your life for 15 more years. 
He was seeking God because he knew his days were limited. And then God hears him and extends his life 15 more years. What a powerful, powerful story about how prayer helps us shape the future. God sometimes says yes to our prayers. Sometimes he says no to them. And sometimes he just says, wait, I got something else on the horizon. I just want you to wait. But he always answers them. I want you to think about 2024 like this. God is going to answer my prayers. How will he answer my prayers? So every time we offer a prayer, it's like, God, I'm asking you for this. And if it doesn't happen, he said no to it. And he always knows what's best. And we ask him and he says yes. And we say, thanks be to God. And maybe when he says no, we say, thanks be to God. Because we look back later and say, if he would have said yes to this, I wouldn't have had this opportunity or this opportunity. I wish I could spend the rest of today talking about the times when God has shut doors, closed things, shut down opportunities, whatever it was, only to lead me to something that was so much better. Have you had that experience in your life? It's like, God, thank you for your wisdom because you corralled me and you moved me and it was a bit of pain along the way, but you got me to where you wanted me to be and I'm so glad I'm here right now doing this with these people. We can trust him. He's trustworthy. And then the last one is this. Um, Jonah went back to Nineveh, didn't he? There's nothing quite like a few days in the belly of a whale that'll do that to you. He became more fully compliant and obedient when he knew like, wow, this could be the end for me. And this is how it's going to go? <laughs> uh, imagine that in the belly of a whale. Um, we obey more wholeheartedly when we know that, wow, it could end at any time. So God, I don't want to play around. I want to be wholeheartedly devoted to following you. So in 2024, what's coming your way? I don't know. What's coming my way? I don't know. There are some things, big, big macro things and a lot of micro things. We have no idea what's going to happen. And we just hold loosely to where we are. We lean in with anticipation and expectation rooted in Jesus. The wind will come. We'll be squeezed. We'll be perplexed. We might be persecuted. Who knows what will come our way? But I do know this. We can count on this. God will be with us and he will give us everything we need for life and godliness. We can count on it. If we're his people, he's our father. I love my girls so much. I have two daughters. I can only imagine what I would do if they needed something from me. I would be there for them. Uh, I, and I'm a decent human, but I don't, I don't even slightly compare to how great God is. That's how much he values me and how much he values you as a good father. He will come to you and he will give you what you need. And there might be some dark nights of the soul, but in the middle of the dark night of the soul, remember, you can lean in and there will be an unseen God whose hands will be all around you, supporting you and strengthening you until that day when you make the big, the big leap and you jump, so to speak. He'll catch you and it'll all be well when we're with him at home on the other side. Amen to that? So let's, leave, let's live well. And let's, uh, let's, let's remember that um, these uh, few days we have under the sun, let's make the most of them. So Lord Jesus, thank you today for inviting us to uh, take inventory of our lives. Thank you for all the ways, Lord, you have uh, brought us to this part of our journey. And Lord, there is a massive group of people in person and online who have so many divergent experiences of life in the here and now whether it be that they are older or younger or whether they're somewhere in the middle. Lord, our lives are always in your hands and we acknowledge that today. And so we give you thanks for what our life represents, that we are image bearers of the one true God. We are called by God for God's purposes. And uh, we pray that you would help us to say yes consistently throughout the year 
to what it is you prompt us to do with our lives, and most importantly, who we become. And uh, Lord, for some of us, 2023 has been incredibly painful and hard. And uh, for some of us, 2024 might be incredibly painful and hard. And so we just, again, remind ourselves that regardless of what comes our way, we will be yours in life and in death. We pledge ourselves to do your will, to love wholeheartedly, to serve whatever purpose you have for us. And ultimately, God, we pray that you'd bring maximum glory from how we live our lives. May the radiance of the Son of God shine on us so that we might be wonderful, beautiful reflections of his grace, his mercy, his peace, and his love to the world around us. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.